shall bring bereavement and destruction upon my people, for they have not changed their ways. As we all know, destruction was not created for God's people. Exodus 15:26, Zephaniah 3:15 says this, but rather it was intended for the enemies of God. But when we backslide, Jeremiah 7, 17, sorry, Jeremiah 15:6 tells us that God will remove this covering and we will become a prey. Verse 3 tells us that he will send the sword, dogs, birds, and wild animals to destroy the people. And if we look at this, he actually punished not just them for their sins, but he also punished them for the sins of their forefathers, and, and for example, and Menasseh. Um, but despite all the evils that Menasseh did, he got buried. But these people were going to be completely destroyed. So there's no burial, no funeral for them. Can a Christian be punished? This scripture tells me that a Christian can indeed be punished when we continue to sin. Grace is taken away and God is even just in punishment. So we need to make sure that we don't go back to the things that we claim that we have gotten rid of. Because the scripture tells me that when we backslide, God will definitely punish his own people. And I pray that we do not fall a victim of that. Good evening, church. So my scripture will be taken from Jeremiah 15, from verse 19. And it reads, Therefore, this is what the Lord says, If you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. If utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. So what I want, us, what I want us to learn from there is that God, that even though the sins of Manasseh, it caused God to destroy the Israelites, to punish the Israelites, that God will be able to welcome us with open hands. That in verse eight, He was saying how He will punish them, that He will leave many, like He will leave as many widows as there are sand of the sea. So what I want us to learn from there is that God will open us back with open arms, but he will also still punish us for the sins that we've committed. Praise the Lord. My, my contribution is going to be taken from Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words came to me, and I listened carefully to them. Your words made me very happy. I was happy because I am called by your name. Your name is the Lord, God of heaven armies. This implies that God that God is pleased when you do good things. But if you do bad things, God will reject you. This suggests that you should be mindful of what you do and you should think before you do, do you do something that is not right in the eyes of God. Praise the Lord. My contribution is from Jeremiah 15, from verse 5 to 6. It says, Who will have pity on you, Jerusalem? Who will mourn for you? Who will stop and ox, ox, how are you? You have re rejected me, declares the Lord. You, you keep on backslide, backsliding, backsliding, so I will reach out and destroy you. I'm tired of holding back. So what, what the Lord is saying there is that you should follow him and his ways and that you shouldn't follow the ways of the world. And if you reject the Lord, the Lord and backslide, he, he will destroy you. Also, that no, no one will mourn for you in your hard times. May that not be our portion. Praise the Lord. 
I'm going to be talking about chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and also verse 4. Part of what we were asked to look at was the sin of Manasseh and how it differs from this book. Fortunately, it was also the books we were studying in Bible study. But what really struck me was even at the end of the day, in Second Chronicles 33, Manasseh repented when God humbled him. But no aware was it said that they humbled themselves. And when he humbled himself and all the things he brought into the temple, he actually took them out and put the right thing. And what caught my attention is, what have you brought into the temple of God? The Bible says we are the temple of God. So what are we bringing into it? In terms of the way we look that we've been taught, our ways of life that has hindered us from angels coming to us, but what is it? The question today that I want us to work it away with is what have you brought into the temple of God? Praise God. Praise the Lord. I just touched briefly on Jeremiah 15 verses 1 to 4. Just to summarize, I think the Israelites sort of went the extra mile in their sinning. And because of that, God was so vexed. And God said, even if Samuel and Moses intercede, we're not here. So I just, that took my mind back to what actually happened in the, New, in the Old Testament. Uh, you don't have to turn to it, but you could just reference it down. Exodus chapter 32, verses 9 to 14. That is when Moses went to go and seek the Lord. And in his absence, Aaron made the golden calf for the children of Israel to worship. And God was so vexed that was going to wipe out the whole Israelite. By that point in time, Moses, the man of God, interceded. And because of that, God stopped his wrath in in, in sort of um, exterminating the whole Israelite. Then again, in Numbers chapter 14, verses 13 to 19, the Israelites sinned again. Again, Moses fell on the ground and interceded for the uh, Israelite. Go ahead. Then if we look at 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 to 13, that is when the Israelites asked Samuel as a prophet, do not cease to pray for us because the Philistines at that point in time were really oppressing the Israelites. And Samuel cried unto God. And what happened? God gave the Israelites victory. So God was saying, in, that, in these situations, I was uh, merciful enough. I listened to the voices of my messenger, of my prophets. But because the sins of these people are just so much, I'm not going to listen on this account. Then the, the final point, I know people have touched on Manasseh, so I will take it from a different perspective altogether. Manasseh sinned so much, and because of that, the wrath was upon the Israelites. And God told us in, I think somewhere in Jeremiah as well, that we should pray for the nation where we are in. Because in praying for the nation where we are in, that is where we have peace. If you look at our nation, for example, today, so many laws have been passed. And if not for the intercession of Christians, I believe we'll have had really woeful occurrences. Because the word of God says that if the land we are in is so full of sin, what happened? The land will spew you out. Like when you have earthquakes here and there, if you go and look at the history, what is going on, you find out that because the land is so full of sin, that is why all these natural disasters are taking place. But because of you and my prayers, God have had mercy upon us. But that should stop us continue to pray for this nation. Praise God. Praise the Lord. 
My contribution is taken from Jeremiah 15, verses 1 to 4, which reads, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to these people. Send them away from my presence and let them go. I will make them abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth because of what Manasseh, son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, did in Jerusalem. And Moses and Samuel were among the most famous prophets in the Old Testament. Moses was a great man who led his people out of Egypt. And the Bible tells us that he was the most humble man on earth in Numbers 12 verse 8. And he was also the only person in the Old Testament to see the form of God himself and not die. And Deuteronomy 34 verse 10 tells us that since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, who the Lord knew face to face. He pleaded for Israel when they sinned against God, and because it was Moses, a righteous man, asking, God let Israel off the hook time and time again. Samuel was also a righteous man like Moses. He was born of a miracle birth and dedicated his whole life to the service of God. 1 Samuel 15 verses 1 to 3 tells us that even when God refused to appear to the people because of their sins, God appeared to Samuel, and even the high priest Eli did not see what Samuel saw. 1 Samuel 3.19 also tells us that God never let any of his words fall to the ground because of his faith. And when Israel had sinned and God was going to hand them over to the Philistines, Samuel prayed for their forgiveness. And God responded with a powerful thunderclap that blew the Philistines off their feet. The enemy invaders were so frightened that they just turned and ran. And the Israelite armies just had to chase them out. Both of these prophets did great exploits for their people and for God. However, here, God declared that the sin of Israel and Manasseh was so great that even if both of them came together to intercede, God would not be moved by it. So, to conclude, I would like to say that, as we all know, God is a very good God. However, there are two sides to his equation. There is his great love and his kindness towards mankind. But he will also uh, unleash his fury and his wrath against sin. Although God is willing to be patient with us for a little while, the evil king Manasseh found this out the hard way. He will, if it comes to it, take action. So I would like to end by saying that we should continue to pray in our everyday lives that God will help us and strengthen us not to keep sinning and expecting grace to abound or take his grace for granted or fall to the place that Israel and Manasseh fell to. Amen. Praise the Lord. My contribution is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, verse 6. It reads, You have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep on backsliding, so I will reach out and destroy you. I am tired of holding back. From this verse, it shows me that the Lord has run out of patience and feels abandoned by his people. He loves and cherishes a lot. As it says in Psalm 145 verse 8 the Lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and rich in love but the Lord it is not easy for the Lord to get angry may we stay on the path God has assigned us and continue to receive his grace and mercy in Jesus name Good evening. My contribution is from Jeremiah 15, verse 19. And it says, 
If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let these people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. Now, this was God talking to Jeremiah. And my comments on it are first, that God wants us to change our ways. He wants us to repent, and he promises to restore us. If we look in Deuteronomy chapter 30, in verse 3, the Bible tells us, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 2 and 3. It says, When you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he has scattered you. God wants us to repent, Psalm 51 at verse 12 so that we can operate fully in the joy of our salvation. The next thing I'll say is he says he wants us to serve him. So the purpose of our restoration is to serve God. That's what that verse tells us. And if we look in Psalm 130 at verse 4, it says, With God there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve him. So that's the reason he's forgiving us, is for us to serve him. So that's what my main comment is. And finally, God told Jeremiah not to become like the people that he was speaking to, but he should wait for these people to turn to him, because he was the one looking to God. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for those contributions. I believe that we've, um, we are blessed by them and also we have been reminded of some of the things that we spoke about last week. So just before I go into verse 10, where we're going to start for tonight, I just want to make reference to that verse 1, which is mostly what we armored on last week. And is very, very crucial and important in our own dispensation. Because I know the apostle was among us and he kind of rounded it up last week by telling us that if anyone rebel against God's anointed, God is not going to take it so lightly. And um, we've all said about uh, what Moses and Samuel stood for in their days, how they were important, how they were priests how God highly anointed them and regarded their prayers. And when I was reading this again, it just brought me to Psalm 99, verse 6. David himself talked about them. And he says there in verse 6 of Psalm 99, he said, Moses and Aaron, and I love this scripture so well. Because it encourages me that whenever I pray, I also have the duty to hear from God. Because these people were priests in their own setting. And I'm, each one of us, those of us who have given our life to Christ, the Bible says we are royal priesthood. So we belong to the priestly lineage. So Moses and Aaron were among the priests. 
Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. So these are the people that when God hears their voice, God cannot afford to turn his back. I mean, he's excited when he hears their voice. So for God to now say that the sin of Judah has come to a place that when these two men, even if these two men appear before God and interceded on behalf of Judah, God is going to turn his back. He's not going to hear them. Their sin has come to a crossroad with God that they say that, look, it is, it is, I'm not going to regard this. So I don't know. You know, we are in a house like this where the truth is being proclaimed on a daily basis. Do we go out of the place of truth? Like rightly what Apostle said yesterday, that is there anything that we may be doing that we think in our head, oh, if Apostle should catch me here, I don't think I will be able to go scot-free. But yet, because he's not among us, we just say, okay, we can get away with it. That means that we are not serving God, we are serving man. Because God himself is looking at each one of our ways. There is no hiding place when it comes to God. So we shouldn't come to a stage in our life that our sin is so grievous and so great in the sight of God that even the prayer of his anointed will not be able to, you know, remedy the situation. We should fear God. That is in essence. But the Bible also recorded in that verse 9, it talked about the, the fact that some of these men of Judah will go into battle, like mommy rightly said last week, they will go into battle, but they will never come back. And the Bible recorded about mothers of seven will grow faint and breathe their last. And their son will set while it is still day. That means that they will have an early death, untimely death. There are many Christians that die before their time, unfortunately. It is not what God ordains, because the Bible is true to the letter. When Apostle was running up yesterday, he said it just to encourage us, that some of us, we are like saying, oh, Christians are caught into situations that is uncalled for. Christians who died in accident, Christians who have terrible situations that happen to them, and we are wondering, why should this happen to a Christian? But Apostle made mention, said that every one of us are here. We do not know what happens under closed doors. Each one of us, it is only God who knows us. I cannot, you know, predict or say, foretell what happens to you, unless if the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. What happens to you in your house, I don't know, before you came in. What happens to me at work, you do not know. How I've lived my life, you do not know. But the Bible recorded that these women, they died in their prime. The men also died in their prime because of their rebellious ways. I think that calls for fear. For those of us who are serving God, that when we, are, when we know that we made up our mind to serve God, let's serve God with our whole hearts. Because God watches over every life, and there's no hiding place when it comes to God. If the fear of God is that you are conscious of God 24-7, the fear of God is that you, are, you, you have God in your subconscious every time and everywhere, 
So regardless of whoever is there, regardless of if a pastor is there or a member of church is there or anyone is there, you know that you are serving God. Because at the end of the day, it is God who will reward us. So what that is saying in essence from chapter 1, or uh, verses 1 of Jeremiah 15 to 9, is that we need to fear God. We need to fear God because God will recompense evil. He will recompense sins. A sinner will not go scot-free. Let's go straight to 10. Now, when we go to verses 10, this is basically talking about Jeremiah himself. So you will now see the conversation between Jeremiah and God. In verse 10, he says, Alas, my mother, that you gave me birth, a man with whom the whole land strives and contends. I have neither lent nor borrowed, yet everyone causes me. So this was a man of God, a godly man, and he was facing persecution. Yeah, because he was saying the truth and he was prophesying the will of God over the rebellious nation. Definitely people hate him. And thank God he's been pre-warned because we all started from Jeremiah chapter 1. And he's been pre-warned that, look, you you will go to these people. They may not accept your words. But I am with you. God gave him an assurance. We will go to that verse later on. But here he was facing persecution. And so it is with each one of us. When we stand for God, when we stand for the truth, we will be persecuted. If you say that, look, I'm going to serve God for the rest of my life. This, I'm not playing church any longer. I'll be committed to God. There will be Either people will test your faith or circumstances around you will test your faith. So really see if this decision that you have made, you really mean it. So you will face accusers all around. And this was the situation that Jeremiah found himself. But in verse 11, the Lord said, Surely I will deliver you for a good purpose. Surely I will make your enemies plead with you in times of disaster and times of distress. So God will always guard a child of God. If you make a firm decision to follow Christ, no matter the persecution going on, no matter all the things that Satan is throwing at you to make sure that you give up the faith or you pipe low in your service to God, God is always there. God has given you an assurance that he will be with you and he will fight your cause for you. Verse 12 says, Can a man break iron, iron from the north, a bronze? Say, Your wealth and your treasure I will give as plunder without charge because of all your sins throughout your country. So this is the reward of those who turn their back against God. When you turn your back against God, or you sin against God, or you rebel against God, you lose so many things. You lose so many things because of the decision that you make for yourself. If you sin against him, God will make sure that everything that you rely on is taken away from you. And this is what happened to the Israelites. And Israelites who were promised, they are God's own children. They are God's own treasured possession. They are, own, they are God's own choice. God lavishes gifts and his blessing on them. 
He brought them to the land that is filled with milk and honey. He gave them houses that they never built, vineyards that they never cultivated. But guess what? Their enemies came to repossess all those things, and they were taken into a foreign land. So when we sin against God, there are so many things that we lose. We don't gain anything. The only thing we gain is the recompense from Satan himself. So if we do not want to lose the treasure, the free treasure that God has given us, let's serve him with our whole hearts. There is gain in serving God. I will enslave you to your enemies in a land you do not know. For my anger will kindle a fire that will burn against you. So when someone sins, then you become a slave to sin. Can you imagine these Israelites are God's firstborn? They are freeborn. They ended up being into going to slavery. Sin enslaves us. When we sin against God, it enslaves us. When we rebel against God, it, it takes us into slavery. How can we be slaves? The Bible says that we are not slaves. We are his own children. And the Bible says that God calls us his friends. So if we are the friend of God, God will always make known his secret to his friends. But someone who is a slave, they are not entitled to inheritance. They beg for it. They are not entitled for, to it. But how can Israel, because they sin against God, they now went back into slavery? God will not take us back to slavery. He never take his own children to slavery. We, in our own evolution, we take ourselves to slavery when we sin against him. In verse 15, he said, Lord, you understand. Now, this is Jeremiah. Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. This was a prayer that Jeremiah was offering to God. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me of my persecutors. Well, he said, think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. Many of us are facing reproach and we are suffering reproach for the sake of God. For the sake of God. When you are in your place of work, and there are certain steps that they want you to take. And you decide because you are a child of God, you are going to stand for the truth. You are suffering reproach for the sake of God. Because you are not doing it of your own. You are doing it because you have the counsel of God that you uphold. There are many of our children also that they have introduced so many things in the educational system. And because of the teaching that they hear from this house and the teaching that their parents teaches them at home, they said, no, we are not going to be in this lesson. And because of that, some of them have been persecuted. Some of them have been, their parents have been sent for. That's why should your child decide not to attend this lesson when they are talking about homosexuals and all that. And they said, well, I've, I opt out. And they decide not to attend the lesson. These have brought, you know, a, a kind of uh, victimization on the ch- times on, in, in the life of the child. Because they are facing reproach for the sake of God. So I pray that the Lord will grant us that boldness and that firmness and that courage to be able to say no to every ungodliness. Because whether we like it or not, it is not really on a high note now 
time will come that most of us will not be able to to freely even read the word of God in the public. Thank God that we are able to do so now. Thank God that we are able to preach on the, in the buses now. Thank God that we are able to preach on the tube tra- tra- in the train station, outside in the marketplace. Laws will be introduced as time goes on that this will be so difficult. It will be so difficult. But what are we going to do then? Some of us, we just have to decide. Do you want to go to prison or you want to deny your faith? So then we will now know who is really a child of God. Who is really a child of God. So that is why we need to hold firm to what we have. And we need to set our heart on fire. We need to be strong. We need to be strong. If we are weak, then we can easily be lured into making a wrong decision that can cost us our destiny. And I pray that the Lord will not allow that to happen to us in Jesus' name. In verse 16, it says, When your words, Jeremiah still speaking, When your words came, I ate them. Hallelujah. Then they were my joy and my heart delight. This sounds like one of the book of Psalms. For I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Still speaking to God. When your word came, as the word of the Lord is coming to us right now, are we eating it? When you eat the word of God, it has to digest. It's not the words that will cause reflux. There's something that will cause reflux in the medical terms. When your food just come out from your esophagus because of too much acid. Doctor, I'm right? Yes. Too much acid. It's like you regurgitate the food. It's not like it's like a reflect action. And so some people find it so uncomfortable that they will it causes them sleepless nights. They are not able to sleep. So they have to give them like a medication to neutralize the acid. So it is the word of God. If you eat the word of God and you digest the word of God, that is when it works for you. If you do not digest the word of God, then trials, tribulations that will affect all and not just a selective few will come your way. And then the words that has not been digested will make you to deny your faith or will make you to bow down to the will of the enemy himself. So, Jeremiah was telling God, when your word came to me, as we all know, the word of the Lord always comes to this prophet, Jeremiah. I ate it. God wants us to eat the word of God. God wants us to digest the word of God. What he's saying is that God wants you to meditate on the word. Think about the words. As we go out from here, do you pick your Bible and read the book of Jeremiah 15 again? Or is it when we come back the following week? That is when you say, okay, let me just hear the contribution that others will make. So it's something that we cannot do without. The word of God. Job said, a desire is what? More than my necessary food. We can only survive by the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not survive by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God doesn't want us to just read the word. He wants us to study the word. And when we study the word, we think about what we read. 
if I should give an examination to every one of us or test for every one of us, we read the word of God. I know majority of us in this house, we read, we read the word of God before we left home in the morning. But how many of us actually taught throughout the day? The word that we read in the morning. Because those are the words that keeps us from sinning. The word that I've eaten in my heart that I will not sin against you. So if the word of God is not in your heart, then when sin comes, you would have committed the sin before you realize, oh my God, I've blown it. I should have done this. But when sin comes, sin will always come and encroach and, you know, will be like a dazzling carrot in front of you but when you have the word of god you will recognize that this is sin i will never cross you you failed you cannot cross my path because i'm not going to yield to you because you have the word of god hidden in your heart so we need to read we need to eat the word but he did not stop that he said they were my joy when you read the word of god that does it bring a sort of gladness to your heart and my heart delights do you delight in the word if you don't delight in the word you will not read it you will not study it. It will be boring. But when you read the word, when you read the word and you take delight in it, even though you said in your mind, I'm going to read for one chapter, before you know, because you love it, because you delight in it, before you know it, within a space of one, one hour, you've read about at least five chapters. Because you can't just stop the word. And when you have spare time in your spare time, which we all do have, but God knows how many of us make use of our spare time wisely. When you have spare time, you will know that your spare time is not for gossiping. You will know that your spare time is not for me to pick up phone and be calling every dick and hairy. You will know that your spare time, even if it's one minute, five minutes you have, you will know that, oh, let me have a sniff of the word of God again. Because you love it. Because it's your delight and it's your joy. So God wants us to be so much hungry about the word. And that is why we come to Bible school. We are not only coming to Bible school to just mark register and just to say that, oh, she came today. Oh, she is so committed. That is not the essence of God. If that is... All about it, God knows that you are, not, you are coming there for a wrong motive. So we need to be genuinely that we are coming here because we are excited about the word of God. Not just to show face. But we are genuine. We love the word. And verse 17, I never sat in the company of revelers. What does this remind you of? Praise God, you got it right. I never sat in the company of revelers. This is Jeremiah talking. So we can see, even though we don't know Jeremiah in person, but we know the kind of personality he had. I have never, never, he didn't say, I will not, never. That means never is never. Throughout his lifetime, we don't know how many years he spent. From the time he was called, that's when we knew him, 17 Till when he, he went to be with his maker. We don't know how many years, but he never. Who are we sitting with? Say, I never sat in the company of revelers. Never made merry with them. So, blessed is the man. When we go home, rest, read it. Read the book of Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who will never sit in the seat of scoffers and all the rest of that. But he said his delight. And you can see that he, he fulfilled that scripture. He fulfilled the other part. His delight is in the word of God. So he delighted in the word of God. That verse 16 confirms it. So who are you sitting with? Who are your company? Who are your friends? 
who are the who are your companion? Who are your encourager? Who are the people that sharpens you? Who do you associate with? Who is your best friend? So who do you keep company with? The person that you keep company with will determine your future, will determine your destiny. And that is why it's better for you not to have friends like we will see here. It's better for you not to have a friend and have Jesus as your friend, who is the friend for all or to all, than you keeping company because I don't want to feel lonely. I don't want it to be like I'm the odd one out. Oh, everybody is ganking up with friends. I better pick one. No, no, no. Your friend, your friend will either make you or break you. So I never sat in the company of reverence. Never made merry with them. So I don't joke with them. I don't scum. I don't crack silly jokes. The Bible say, talks about that. It warns us about all these queer jokes. Jokes that does not bring God's glory. So we need to be very, very careful with those of us who crack jokes. I know some of us are very, very, um, what will I say? Some are jovial and they have a good sense of humor and some people don't. You know, but we need to be very, very careful when we crack our jokes. Make sure that the jokes that you are cracking is not, you know, making God angry. Or is dampening the fate of whoever you are cracking jokes to. So be very, very careful. And those of us who don't crack jokes but we listen to jokes... Be careful what your ears listen to, what your eyes see, and what your mouth speaks. Very, very, very careful. I sat alone. Can see that? I sat alone because your hand was on me. So he never sits with the company of everlasting, but he sat alone because your hand was on me. You are special people. You are not like any other person. You are, you have been set apart. You are anointed. And because you are anointed, you cannot joke with the anointing upon your life. God's hand is upon us. So we need to be careful who we keep company with. Because we are special people. Look at yourself as so special. So when you have friends, they can get away with some things. But you can't. You can't. Because the angel of the Lord is there with you. And you do not want to upset the angel. The Holy Spirit is there with you. You don't want to grieve him. So you are special. You cannot afford to keep companies with people who know their own destiny. You know where you are going. So it's better for you to stay alone. Stay with your maker. And guess what? God will not leave you alone because you always get to someone who will propel you forward to your own destiny that God has set for you. So we need to be very, very careful. Those of us who are parents, we need to hammer this upon our children. And before your children go into school, always pray that prayer. God, help them and give them a friend that will, that will you know, have values to their life, positive values to their life. Help choose their friends for them. When they are going to uni, tell them, help, tell God, God, help choose the friends of my children. And always ask your children what kind of friend they have. And get to speak to their friends as well so that you get to know them. So you can't just say, okay, our hands up, I've already prayed, and that's it. You need to follow them up. Faith and work goes hand in hand. 
So you need to know their friends, talk to their friends. When you go and visit them, let their friends come around so that you know this is the type of friend my children is keeping company with. Because friendship will either break or build. So we need to be very, very careful. And he said, I sat alone because your hand was on me, and you have filled me with indignation. Why did God fill him with indignation? Why is my pain? Look at this man. This is a prophet. Verse 18. Why is my pain unending? This is Jeremiah speaking. And my wound, grievous and incurable, you are to me like a deceptive brook. Can you imagine a man, a prophet? Who the word of the Lord came, speaking to his maker like this, like a spring that fails. You know, sometimes when you are facing trials that is, that is unexplainable, sometimes if you are not careful, you can use your mouth to offend God. And that is why you need to be conscious of what comes out of your mind before it comes up out here. Because in our Christian faith, we'll be tried. And this man faced so many, he had so many experiences in his life. Some are good and some are, most are even worse. Because he was a prophet. So he came to a big, well, we don't know what happened here. But to be honest, he must have been pushed to the wall. For him to now be telling God that you are to me like a deceptive brook. Like a spring that fails. Our God is not deceiving. Our God never fails anyone. But sometimes when you go through trials, sometimes the enemy will make you feel that God's hand is against you. It will make you feel that you are all alone. It will make you feel that God doesn't care about you anymore. He will make you feel isolated. And that is why we need to be very, very careful with what we say. Because even in that trying moment, God is part of the test. Are we, going to te- are we going to pass God's test by saying the right words? We need to be careful with what we say. And that is why the Bible says a righteous man will think first before we say things. Our words are so powerful. Let's be slow to speak and be quick to hear God. Let's hear before we speak. So this man spoke wrong words. And 19 says, therefore, this is what the Lord says to Jeremiah. If you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. If you, if you utter worthy, not worthless words, what words are we uttering? Are they worthy, are they pleasing words or, or unpleasant words? The words we speak, they are life. And they are spirits. So we need to be careful what we speak. The best thing you can do for yourself is that when you are pushed to the wall, you tell God, God help me. And thank God we have been talking about angels. Apostles said the angels will come and strengthen you. If he strengthened Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in that garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus would have made a decision, because he said that if this cup, if this cup could be taken away and I do not drink it. But thank God the angel of death was there. He said, but not my will, but your will be done. 
if he has prayed that, Lord, I don't want to go to the cross, myself and yourself will not be here sitting down. That is the, so much sorrow that filled the heart of Jesus. He could have made that decision, but he never did. So when we are pushed to the wall, because we are human and because we are flesh and blood, let's tell God how, what we are experiencing on the inside. We can't deceive God. We can't deceive God. You may say that, oh, people may look at you and say you are strong. This person is strong in faith. He can, you know, he can face any situation. But your God knows how weak and how weary you are. So you tell God, God, I'm weak here. I'm about to utter some things that are not pleasant. So Lord, just help me. Help me to utter what is right in your sight. Because the word, once it's birth, that is it. You can't call it back. So we need to be very, very careful with our words. Very, very careful. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. So the God was confronting Jeremiah and said, If you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. So the reason why we repent is for God to restore us. And when we are restored, it's for us to serve him. So God wants us, you know, uh, was it Pastor Tyre always say something that don't feel so guilty. Don't feel so guilty. If you know that you are blown, it, just tell the Lord, Lord, this is it. Lord, I repent of my ways. And then move on. Don't be pity-patting on yourself because pity-patting will not solve you anything. It's not going to move you. It's not going to change you. The only thing that can change a man is repentance. And once you are restored, then begin to start serving the Lord. God will use you. So no matter if anyone is here and you have made a mistake and Satan is haunting you with that mistake and he said that you, you call yourself a child of God, it's because of this sin that you've done. That is why this, what this manifestation has been lingering on. Don't allow the enemy to deceive your mind or to, you know, lie. Because he's a liar. He's a, he's a liar from the beginning. So we need to be sharp and we need to confront our situation and tell God, God, just help me here. And once we repent and we are restored, let's keep on serving the Lord. And he said, if you utter worthy not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. We want God to speak. We want to be an oracle of God. So if we want to be an oracle of God, we need to speak God's word. We will need to speak life. If we are speaking deadly words, murdering words, words that demoralizes, words that, that weakens people's faith, God cannot use such a person. So if we want to be a vessel that we want to, God to use, then we need to start speaking the right words. So it was reminding Jeremiah, I chose you, remember? I called you while you were in your mother's womb. I'm the one who called you. And I knew you then. So if you really want to be my spokesman, you want to be a prophet for me, you have to start speaking worldly words. So let these people turn to you. And I think our sister over there uh, has contributed to that. Let the people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. So don't give in to peer pressure. That's what he's saying here. Don't give in to peer pressure. 
We are there, the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We are supposed to influence the people in darkness to the light, not darkness influencing us. We are supposed to go out there to be a Christ representative, not be a devil representative. We sh- they should not win us over. We should win them over. We should tell the world how to talk. We should tell the world how to dress. We should tell the world how to act. We should be the one who should be successful. We should be the one who should be having the good appraisers at work. Not the person that will be apprehended all the time, that you, you always come late. We are not representing Christ that way. Because Jesus will never do that. Jesus set a good and perfect example, and we are supposed to be the perfect example of Christ. So everywhere we go, we must be excellent. Everywhere we go, people should not be able to talk down on our God or talk down on us or say this is thing, something that we have done wrong. They did that to Daniel. They could not say anything against him, see anything against him, except with his God. So we need to stand out. Word should not come into the church. The church should not go into the world. The world should come to the church and repent. Follow the ways of Christ, not in introducing the words, worldly style into the church. We need to be Christ representative. I will make you a wall to these people. What did that confirm? Jeremiah, say it, Pastor. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 17, where he says that I will make you a, a fortified nation. So God was reminding him again. Don't because of all this accusation and all these trials and all these difficult situations and people are against you, sin, make you sin against God. I was telling Jeremiah that. I will make you a wall to these people, a fortified wall of bronze. So in, in other words, I, God, will be to you a defense. I will be a defense city to you. I will defend you. I will protect you. A fortified wall. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. Are they not fighting against Christians today? They are fighting against us. But the Bible gives us an assurance that yes, they will fight, but they will not succeed. So wherever we go, in our place of work, anywhere we go, when we stand for God, God will fight our battle for us. But if we say that God is too slow and want to fight it ourselves, then God will back off. And guess what? He wants God back off. You can't win. You can't win this battle because this is not a physical battle. The weapon of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. So we need to trust God. God, if we remember that God is the one who's, who has sent us, he will back us up. So he's telling Jeremiah, look, I will fight against those who fight against you. They will fight against you, but they will never overcome you. Say, for I am with you to rescue and save you. And that is what God is telling us. God is telling us in the book of Psalm 91 there, he said that because he loves me, fear the Lord, I will deliver him. I will rescue him. So what God is saying is that once you love me, (laughs) your life is secure. Because whoever fights against you, I will fight against. And whoever will speak evil of you, I myself will respond to them. So, and having said that, let's not fight against ourselves also. Because it's not just about, sometimes it's the inner circle that is even fighting against themselves. 
the child of God fighting against another child of God. What, what sense is in that? Let's not fight against ourselves. We are all God's children. Let's not fight against ourselves. If we fight against ourselves, especially if we, as a child of God, we have like an oversight over us. In the person of Apostle and Momioma, they are the oversight, spiritual oversight over this house. So it will be wrong for a leader or a member to fight against them or speak against them. If you speak against God's anointed, God will respond. God will respond. So let's have that behind our minds. And it said, I will save you from the hands of the wicked and deliver you from the grabs of the cruel. So that is just a comfort word to Jeremiah, and that's a comfort word to us. That if we are in the very center of God's will, we love God, we walk in his, in his counsel, then God will make sure that he fights our battle for us. And what that is teaching us from the life of Jeremiah is that the road to salvation is not really rosy as people will expect it to be. There will be some bumps. There will be some hurdles on the way. But God wants us to trust him. God wants us to hold him firm. And God is saying that he is with us to the end of the age, unless we compromise. And I pray that we will not compromise because that's what God told Jeremiah here. You should not follow the ways of the people. You should not follow their ways. He said, but let the people turn to you, for you must not turn to them. So as we go out in this, our Christian walk, what God is telling us is that we should be a light to the people out there. We should be an influence, a positive influence on them. When they are speaking their language, speak your language. Don't try to adopt their language. Sometimes I hear some Christians speak and I just can't understand them. I can't understand because they've developed some slangs of the word. That is appalling. So that means you are not confident of the God that, is, that, that you have, that you serve. We shouldn't speak like them. Let's speak the language that God himself can hear. If you are speaking a language like that, how can God come to rest? Because God himself doesn't understand you. So we need to be careful that we don't copy the world. Don't copy the world. Don't copy the way they speak. Don't copy the way they look. Don't copy the way they dress. You are just so beautiful and gorgeous because you put on Christ. So let's put on Christ wherever we go. Okay? And the Lord will bless us in Jesus' name. And that brings us to the end of Jeremiah chapter 15.